Welcome to Behind the Idea, where we break down investment stories from the Seeking Alpha ecosystem to find out what makes successful investment analysis work. I'm Mike Taylor, and with me today is Daniel Schwartzman to talk about Teva, ticker symbol T-E-V-A. The generic drug maker used to be an icon of Israeli ingenuity, but lately balance sheet troubles and management turmoil have put it out of favor in the Holy Land. The stock has fallen hard since mid-2015, but after a recent bounce, Seeking Alpha author Christiana Friedman thinks there's an opportunity. Before we get into it, as background, Seeking Alpha is a website where investors of all kinds share their ideas and analysis. Also, a disclosure. Neither Daniel nor I have any positions in any companies discussed. So, Daniel, what's the uh, story with Teva? Teva is a major company in the Israeli economy, and it's a generic pharmaceutical firm that has attracted attention in the, for investors as a potential value play for many years. A, I actually owned shares from 2012 to 2016, so I have had some background with the company. The story in 2012, when I got involved, they had a new CEO coming in. They had a great reliance on Copaxone as a key earnings generator, and that and was that's, I, an, that's an Alzheimer drug, right? It's multiple sclerosis, I think. Uh, they had a they had a reliance on that that was a patented original branded drug not a generic drug this is a generic pharmaceutical maker yet they were being threatened by gen generics coming on the market from other firms there was a series of court challenges of delays trying to postpone any new generics from coming onto the market uh -huh. but that was that that was the known story that was the threat will teva be able to diversify in order to make up for the fact that Copaxone's profits are likely to be reduced. They also tried to uh, patent a new delivery form for Copaxone to diversify a three times a week instead of every day or some other form of uh -huh. delivery for Copaxone that they hoped would extend their moat even if they didn't have the patent protection. Okay, but that so, so a couple of years ago, the story was this, this company that makes generic drugs, which aren't very profitable most of the time, has this one asset that's really great, but it has to fend off competition from other generic drug makers that would impact the price and the profitability. So that was the story years ago. What else has been going on? The other big thing fundamentally that's gone on is that they bought out activists from Allergan. The generic pharmaceutical sector has had a ton of rolling up going on. Allergan, the current Allergan, used to be Activist. Activist bought Allergan, which was the Botox maker. That was when the clash was going on. Ackman owned shares in Allergan, also was a valiant pharmaceutical shareholder. So there was that jousting going on. Right. Uh, Activist was actually bought out before by Watson Pharmaceuticals, who changed their name to Activist. There's a ton of shells in there of companies that bought each other out, that th this was sort of the, one of the first sectors, I think, that did the corporate inversions. They were, this was, this sector pioneered that, I think, to a large extent. And so Teva decided to buy the generic unit from Allergan, the, which was this product of all these other roll-ups. And it was in a very top of market sort of buy. I think they agreed to the buy in 2015 and closed in 2016. Mm -hmm. 
I don't have the figures in front of me, but we were talking from what I remember was something in the teens for EV to EBITDA. And the play was going to be that they were going to have all this market power in generics and all this control of the industry. They would be the leading generic pharmaceutical company in the world, which mm-hmm. I guess changes the story from Capaxone. So wait, where does Teva come back in to the so story te- here? So Teva is the one that buys activists from Allergan. The long story short, short of all that is that Allergen is ticker AGN. Bill Ackman is an activist, investor, and billionaire. Is maybe not still a billionaire, but we'll we'll check on that. <laughs> He's had a rough couple of years underperforming the S&P 500 by a substantial margin, I think three years in a row, after having a really successful career. He's a very high-profile guy. The other company that Daniel mentioned is Valiant, ticker symbol VRX, which had dealings with Allergen and Bill Ackman amid this sort of roll-up M&A frenzy that was going on in the mid-2010s. So, okay, so to recap, Teva kind of gets involved in this M&A roll-up stuff, and, and, and now it's maybe as a result of that or whatever, it's having some balance sheet issues and some cash flow liquidity issues. And that's part of the reason that the stock is down, although maybe not the whole story. But before we get into Christiana Friedman's idea about Teva, I want to talk a little bit about Teva's relationship with Israel. Since it's an Israeli company, I've only visited Israel very briefly. Daniel, you've lived there for a few years. But my understanding is that Teva is kind of like Ford in the U.S. in the 1950s. It's a real symbol of national pride. I think you compared it to GE. It would be like a Dow stock. The analogy would be sort of one of these great industrial giants, but for Israel. So let's talk a little bit about that. Israel now is thinks of itself as startup nation, and justifiably, it has a lot of startup companies, including <clears throat> Seeking Alpha. And it, <laughs> it's, it's a dynamic economy in that respect. But Teva was, I think, one of the old school classic businesses of the you know Israel from pretty close to its founding that has uh-huh. risen to trade on the U.S. markets, trades on the NASDAQ. It, it is a giant in the industry, even before the missteps or the moves of the past few years. It is a major player in the industry, and it's a major employer in the country. I think it ranks in the top 10 employers in the country, and mm-hmm. some of the companies that are ahead of them are you know, banks, for example, which banks don't tend to have the same – you don't make stuff at a bank the way you do at a pharmaceutical right. company. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, I think, pride. There's a lot of, there was a great article in Stat News a month ago about the challenges with Teva trying to get a hold on their expenses to deal with their balance sheet, leading to closing down factories and some cases in small towns and sort of the challenges. And, and I guess the last piece of, emphasis that Israel, the current government is, uh, would be classified depending on your viewpoint somewhere between center right and right. Economically, in theory, theory, that means not much government intervention, but Israel does come from a somewhat socialist background, and I'm getting a little uh-huh. bit out, of, out on a limb here. There's a little bit of a view that Teva... Teva has gotten tax breaks. You, you can sort of see this in the comments 
of Christiana's article, but Tebe's gotten tax breaks over the years. There's a lot of sort of symbiosis between the government and the company that yeah. leads to a codependency to some degree. And so I think that's what's, uh-huh. that's what's interesting about the, the specifics of the case that Christiana made in her article. And right. I guess that's also makes the, it more than your humdrum turnaround story. Got it. So that makes me think kind of of General Motors during the financial crisis, this great industrial titan. Uh, Israel may not be having any kind of financial crisis at the moment, but one of its main industrial triumphs is falling on something of hard times, and it has this relationship with the government, and it's kind of a tortured relationship. You could make an analogy to you know the auto bailout in the United States or the automotive industry is such a huge part of American patriotism and iconography that that's an important piece of the story here. But I think now it's time for us to get into it. Let's get into the article itself. I think the main point of the article here that uh, Christiana Friedman makes is that we all know that Teva is facing some serious liquidity issues. It has a lot of debt and it's not quite clear whether it can raise enough cash to get it through uh, these debt issues that it's facing. And her point, I think, is that Teva is going has had the support of the Israeli government, and the Israeli government is not going to harm it and may even be there to support it in case there, Teva has continuing liquidity issues. And on top of that, Teva may be able to sort this issue out for itself. If it does, then there's a tremendous amount of upside for shareholders. So, Daniel, why don't you talk to talk a little bit to the argument? What do you think about it? I think you got the specifics of the argument right. And I think what's what I like about it, I, I've written off Teva for quite a while because I found the debt load quite scary. I found the analysis that Graham Osborne did, if anybody wants to look him up on the site, Graham Osborne did some great work on Teva and Allergan activists, all those companies uh, back when this deal was happening. And I found it very compelling and that actually saved me money as it helped convince me to close my position. And what she does a nice job of is tackles that key issue of the debt and tries to break it down and points out that the biggest challenge is going to be in 2018 and she cites the filings and mm-hmm. and so that that's compelling in the sense of okay we the problem we're putting a name on the problem we're putting a number on the problem we can see how to get through it and then what i think is even more interesting is there's that cliche of if you owe 100 bucks to the bank the bank owns you if you owe 100 million bucks to the bank you own the bank or whatever mm-hmm. the saying is, and I think that applies here not only to the debtors, actually less so to the debtors, I imagine, but to the Israel, to the com- the country of Israel and to the government, there's this sort of feeling of, you may not like what we're doing, but it's that, o- that old gangster line. It, it, nice company you got here. be a shame if we had to sell it to somebody abroad. And uh-huh. <laughs> and so that's that's sort of her argument. Her argument is, look, basically, they and she points out they hired for the first time somebody who is neither Israeli nor Jewish to be the CEO in Carrie Schultz. And Christiana thinks that that may make him less attached, less sort of 
beholden to patriotic uh-huh. sentiment. So he's going to be able to make the changes that are needed to be made. And if he doesn't, well, then they're going to throw up their hands. She she quotes him and says, without drastic steps, Teva will be increasingly vulnerable to potential takeover, which is disadvantageous from the perspective of Israel because, A, you lose all leverage when the management team no longer is independent and based in Israel. Mm-hmm. And basically, I think the argument is that yeah, you may not like that we're shutting down plants or getting rid of jobs, but if we don't do it, whoever buys us is going to do way worse. And so that's, right. that's a – I'm speaking strictly – I think sometimes we get very sort of bloodless about the real real issues at right. stake in all of this. Yeah. But from the perspective of the stock market and this sort of story, it's, a, it's an interesting argument. It's an interesting uh-huh. hard rock and uh, tough place. <laughs> hard rock in a tough place yeah <laughs> that old as that old saying goes yeah i think it's interesting though i'm not sure if she mentioned it that a lot of israelis have teva in their retirement plans the stock is widely held by israelis and there may be an over concentration in teva in the average in israelis investment portfolio i'm not sure yeah. whether i have that right but that Somehow I, I came across that idea. I, I've missed – we could be misinterpreting this greatly. We could not be – but I, I'm pretty sure I've heard that line before. And be, Because, again, if Israel's mm-hmm. – a lot of Israel's great success stories actually haven't been public at all. Waze was right. an Israel company that got bought by Google before it went public. Like there aren't a lot of these sorts of titans that are traded on the U.S. markets right. to hold. And so, yeah, I think that – that's also sort of this element of literal ownership over what's going on. And so it's quite a political play. And then speaking of political play, and this is something maybe from your background dealing with biotech you can speak to, is it's not, even though I don't know how much has changed, biopharma, biotech, pharmaceutical companies do not have the best reputation in the U.S. True. That was a big issue in the last presidential campaign and I think one of the few things that at least on paper both Clinton and Trump agreed about is that drug prices are too right. high. Yeah. You but you so you how, how much did you when you were working as our biotech editor how much did you come across Teva and then yeah. what is your sort of broader perspective of what's going on in that part of the economy in the U.S. and what that might mean for a company trying to turn around its fortunes? First of all, just on Teva in particular, uh, I think it has nowhere near the level of attention and focus, certainly none of the sort of emotional and nationalistic interest on the part of U.S. investors. I think it's perceived here as a fairly dull and boring generic drug maker. I think that may be inaccurate due to Capaxone, as you mentioned, but still there's just not a lot of interest in Teva in the U.S. relative to Israel. Uh, The other thing I would just point out about Teva is the logo from an American perspective looks really funny. It looks like something that a bored middle schooler would draw on his notebook. It's just this block letters with little lines to get the, I mean, 
I think I, I may be running the risk of sounding culturally insensitive because I think that is kind of an Israeli type of font or Hebrew. I think of when I think of the El Al logo or something, it kind of has right. that same bold uh, look. El Al is the Israeli airline. But anyway, I think that may go to illustrate just how far this emotional or identification gap is between U.S. investors and Israeli investors. I don't know if Israelis think that the Teva logo is as dorky as I think it is, but I think it's really dorky. Uh, to get on to the <laughs> Well, we should also probably make clear that Teva Pharmaceutical has nothing to do with Teva Shoes. That, uh, Am I wrong about the logo? You're not. I, I think you've got reason. I think there's probably some block, vague shout out to Hebrew. I, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I'm Googling but, it just to make sure. Yeah, it's it's dorky for sure. I just Google imaged it. Everyone at home, Google image Teva Pharmaceuticals logo. You'll see. It's like a turquoise, blocky again middle school notebook type of type of deal but, anyway that i think i didn't answer but that's your the question that's the sort of thing that you want in your retirement portfolio boring sound stable oh no risk right that's yeah. that's the that's the maybe upside. let's circle back in terms of biotech and the political i don't know how it is in israel but in the united states my impression of the environment right now is that politicians, especially this administration, are saying that this is an issue, but not doing very much about it. And I think that biotech has been in a bit of bounce back. So in the trailing 12 months, uh, especially after November 2017, biotech has been rallying. And I think that reflects that the regulatory posture in the United States is favorable despite the political rhetoric that took place on the campaign trail. And I'm not super well-versed in the Trump administration's policy positioning, but certainly one area that's been getting some attention in the media is the declaration of a national emergency regarding opioids in the U.S., followed up by a relatively minor actual policy or operational response by the administration. And I say that not to criticize or make a political comment, but just to say I think that that reflection overall goes to my point that the politicians tend to say drug pricing is out of control, but not necessarily take very many concrete steps to do anything about whatever problem that might be. And it's worth saying that Teva's business is the U.S. is a large market for it. It makes up more than just eyeballing. It looks like it oh, makes up forty percent yeah. of its revenue on the in generics. I don't know. I'm not finding the breakdown in their last twenty F about their specialty me medicines, which is where they put Capaxone. But you know they do have a pretty big business. And I remember previously living in Bulgaria, and I would find activists, which is the, again, what Teva bought from mm -hmm. Allergan, I would see their logo in pharma pharmacies in Bulgaria. So, you know, just as the random data point that they, they do have, 
Europe and rest of the world are still a pretty mm-hmm. big part of their maybe sales. more diversified relative to other to US counterparts in terms of their market exposure. That's interesting. I think that cuts both ways kind of though because you know the US market is so robust in terms of its demand and willingness to pay relative to the rest of the world. But maybe in generics that's less of a problem. Anyway, I think that that goes to Teva does have a reputation as being a really fierce competitor on cost in the generic space and having a bit of an advantage there. So I think that's worth pointing out. The reason I asked about that and what I think is interesting is a lot of people will lazily go to Teva and say, well, they trade for five and a half PE or they trade for a seven PE oh, or whatever. That low, huh? Huh. It, well, it's that low, but it's a non-gap number, which you would think after with Valiant Pharmaceuticals and all the issues that came up with their accounting that we would be very cautious about taking non-GAAP numbers seriously for a pharmaceutical company. But So that's, that's thrown out there, and I like that Christiana did not bring that up in her argument. But there's still, essentially, if I'm looking at Teva, everything I'm looking at is can they pay debt? Can they manage their cash flow well enough to stay on top of debt for the next two, three years until they get mm-hmm. to this big chunk. I, I think they bought activists for something like $30 billion. So <laughs> it's it's a lot of money. And if they can get through the, the initial state, presumably, and I think that's what you hinted at, they have experience around the world where drug pricing is maybe not as uh, volatile as in the U.S. And they may be able to operate well if they can get through this initial hump which is why they're looking to cut expenses and why their bargaining position with Israel is kind of so tricky. But I, what what scared me away when I saw people starting to – I got lucky enough to get out in the 50s. Articles about, oh, you should buy Teva, you know, really started to pick up in the 30s. And what scared me was that the margin of safety between their cash from operations and their debt was really slim. Their, their debt repayments that they had to make each year for the next few years – they don't have much capex, so right. that was okay. But it was just it's it was just a tough situation. And so if you have on top of that this pressure on the industry, uh, that would be that would really give you very little room to navigate, especially for a company that uh, I mentioned in 2012 they had a new CEO. They also had a new CEO in 2014, and now in right. 2017 with two interim CEOs in between. So they've, this is the company, they had three CEOs from 1976 to 2012 and yeah. three CEOs and two interim CEOs in the six years since. So you've got a tough turn to make and you've had a lot of changeover as far as who's driving. And so that's why I, I was curious about the industry, you know, what other, not to get too nautical, but what other headwinds there are that might mm. might slow down Teva or sink you can get you can get you can get nautical. Yeah. Headwinds, sinking ship. That's good. That's good. We get we got nautical here on behind the idea. It's it's an anchoring issue that we have. Oh wow. Yeah. So okay, getting back to the idea and kind of I have a couple sort of I like this overall framework. I kind of like ideas where the downside is framed very clearly and it's easy to go along with Christiana here in terms of us believing that there's a lot of upside, 
even though she doesn't flash that out. We'll talk about that in a second. But just as a general note, I like saying, okay, the downside here is I think it's zero. I don't think Christiana thinks that because she thinks that there's institutional support or there's a way around these debt issues. Uh, my concern is that when you have a thesis that's based on if they can get through this liquidity issue, you should have a very concrete set of evidence to present that convinces people that that's the case. Because if they go into default or if they enter bankruptcy, then Teva shareholders are likely to be zeroed out. And so I think that that should have been, that was my interpretation of the evidence presented. That was not an explicit claim of Christiana's. And I think that defining the downside is sort of a key element for a thesis like this. But I can kind of go along with the story, even if mentally, internally, I'm thinking the downside to this is probably you get zeroed out. If in a year or five years, we're looking at a potential 5x return or something like that, which seems, you know, 20 to 100. I don't didn't do any work on the fundamentals, but if it is all tied into this liquidity hump here, you could see if this company turns itself around, it could get back up. You know, it bought uh, Activist for 30 billion. You said the market cap for Tevin now is 20 billion. So it overpaid, right? But potentially there are assets there that can be monetized, assuming that it can keep creditors at bay, it being Teva. That brings me to my pet peeve here, which is that I don't think we got really a good upside case or a clear idea of how, where this could rebound to. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's, I think there could have been more here on what the company, there's this assumption built in that somebody will buy them. And Schultz hints at this, and Christiana builds that into her thesis. And I don't think that that's... Mm, yeah. It's they can buy you out of bankruptcy. Ask exactly. Lehman Brothers. Nomura can, got them. Barclays got them. It's, you, can uh, always, you can always go cheap. There's, there's a price to everything. And... I think sometimes investors the, – the biggest risk, risk to any investment thesis is just that I'm wrong. There's no other – to me, that, that's, that's the hmm. risk, and you just have to accept that. The fact that this could have – if we had fleshed this out and said, okay, here's why the downside is not so bad, and then here is why the upside is good, and et cetera, that would have filled out the thesis. It wouldn't – it would still have the risk that the author just missed it and totally – didn't understand whatever. And so that's, I think, always in there. But I think you're right that showing out the what goes on and making logical arguments that yeah. hold up. And that's where, I actually, that's where I really do like the sort of actually Teva holds the control in the relationship with the government because yeah. the government really can't – the government's still going to be here, but Teva – Yes. If, if if the screws get tightened too much, they may not be. And so I really right. like that that aspect. But yeah, I agree with you that there wasn't any argument for why Teva should be valued higher. There 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 is there are some compelling elements here, 
Yeah. But I think ultimately you have to make a case. Teva didn't get a buyout bid at 10, right? It went yeah. down all the way to 10.85. Yeah. It's now it's it's hit a double or pretty close to a double from its bottom. Mm-hmm. I I don't think the value of the company has changed that much. And if right. somebody really wanted it, they probably could have thrown a bid together. And so I guess there needs to be a little bit, little bit more of what what would what the fair market value would yeah. be if yeah. if somebody came in and tried to t- tried to take Teva away from Israel. <laughs> so yeah, I think that kind of hits. I think we're in agreement on this piece, and that is you want to bring the right tool to the investment situation, and I think where Christiana really succeeds here is that we're almost more in a game theory type of framework in terms of this adversarial discussion going on between Teva. Will they leave? Will they stay? Can the government support them? Can they not? It's a negotiation between two different opposing parties. And that may be the key driver of the share price going forward as opposed to the fundamentals, at least in the short term. Christiana did a great job, and that's a brilliant thing to do to bring the correct mental model to the investment situation. I think that's where she was extremely successful, identifying that that's what's going on here. Other analysis, I think, might have missed that, and that's probably partly why we chose this article, why it got an editor's pick on Seeking Alpha. But I think we both also agree with the weakness here, which is that in order for us to believe a buyout scenario, which is a different scenario than a negotiated outcome between the government and Teva, we do need to go back to the fundamentals. And that felt fairly glossed over to me. I also felt that the downside was not very specifically articulated. The analysis of the financial statements, I wasn't sure even uh, I wasn't thoroughly convinced by her assessment of the cash obligations. But that's fine because the important thing here was the idea. And this application of this negotiation framework to this situation makes us a very rich idea and it's a great starting place for more research. Yeah, I think that's a great, not to, this is going to be hard to make this point without sounding like company men, but I think that's no no one article should really turn on everything, but if it starts the process or if it fits in one piece, that that's a value in and of itself. And then there's plenty of other articles out there that can, or one's own work that can crunch the numbers or whatever else. And so I, I know for me as somebody who I, I saw this article and I thought it was interesting and worth it considering because I think the Teva story right now is, is intriguing as a market story, but I, I sort of relegated it to the no way pile, stay away pile for a while as an investor. Oh. This was enough to say, okay, I, I, I can see, I can start to see how things would work. I would want to see the numbers. I would want to be a little bit more convinced about their prospects of paying off debt and what their competitive situation looks like. Uh, they they probably report earnings next week. I think is mm-hmm. this is usually when Teva would report. So 
I guess we'll get some more information then. But yeah, so 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 I thought it was a very good as far if you every investment decision involves a puzzle of different pieces that come together, this was a good and important piece to kind of yeah. address the governmental situation and, and that aspect of the Teva story. Yeah, she really nailed what's most important in the short term and probably brought that to light for a lot of people who hadn't considered it, including you, it sounds like, since now you're sort of rekindled your interest. I'm at least open to checking it out more, for uh -huh. sure. All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for the bold logoed company, the patriotic mainstay of Israel and all of the turmoil that's been going on as it faces credit issues and so on. So you want to leave it there, Daniel? Yeah, I think that's it. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there and let, let listeners figure out whether they want to go further with it. Okay, let's go. Bye.